This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network. Welcome to the program. There is, boy, there is a lot to talk about today. The most important thing I have learned from talking to the Black Lives Matter people, you know, we've been saying, you know, we got a lot in common. We have shared values. We, you know, we love our children, all that bull crap. No, no, no. Yesterday, in talking to those three protesters from Black Lives Matter off the air, oh my gosh, they distrust Barack Obama far more than I do. Really? Wait until you hear what these three people told us off the air yesterday about, you guys don't get it. You don't get it. You don't see what's coming. You don't see what Barack Obama is about to do. You got to be kidding me. You will not believe it. What you find when you start listening to people. And you start letting people speak frankly. Now, speaking of speaking frankly, what is happening in France is coming here to the United States. And what came to France, if you look at, do a Google search of um, uh, pedestrians killed by automobile in street terrorism. The first page will all be about France. The other hundred pages are all about the times that it has happened in Israel. This happens all the time in Israel. What is happening in Israel or has happened in Israel has made its way to Europe and is coming to America. But you can't say any of that. Yesterday, Buck Sexton, I'm going to play this audio. Buck Sexton was on CNN and I mean blood will shoot out of your eyes as as they accuse him of saying, well, who's us? What do you mean they're coming for us? Who's us, Buck? We're going to start with that audio and Buck Sexton right now. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Welcome to the program. First of all, we welcome uh, Jason Batrill, who is our um, uh, security expert here in Dallas and our national security uh, advisor and expert uh, for the company in New York City is Buck Sexton. Uh, Welcome, Buck. How are you, sir? I'm good, Glenn. Thank you. Um, and Jason uh, is here. Jason was a uh, military intel guy, um, uh, Army 
uh, in television. Oh, how dare you? Oh, no better than that. That's oh. man fighting words. It was, oh, it was Navy. Oh my gosh, even worse. <laughs> yeah, it was Air Force. Air Force. It was Air Force. <laughs> okay, so anyway, oh. um, he did intel. Uh, Buck is a former uh, CIA agent um, who used to brief the president. And, and Buck, I saw you last night on CNN. And I have to tell you, I didn't know my blood pressure could go up that high. As you were talking about uh, what was happening in Nice, listen, America, to what was what the exchange was about. And I do disagree with Mr. Sexton, because the fact is, and I'll say this to you, Buck, directly, the vast majority of ISIS's victims are Muslim, not us, I'm not fully the West. Aware, I'm fully aware of that. I mean, no, well, no, then no you one just didn't say they're coming after us. They're but, not coming after us more than they're no, coming I was, after us. I was each referring other. to the Islamic State, which very clearly through its external operations arm, which has been at work, by the way, for a number of years now, along with Al Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula, which until recently was considered the most virulent and deadly of the jihadist terrorist organizations for this kind of external plotting. They are continuing to do this. Of, of course, they're killing Muslims. They're killing Muslims in Turkey, in Saudi Arabia, in Iraq. Uh, I've, actually, I've actually seen some of the handiwork of what they've done in places like. Iraq and Afghanistan. But the people who are doing so, it. So this is uh, to 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 pretend. Hang on, buck, buck, buck. But the people who are doing it, they can consider themselves Muslim as well, even though the the victims are Muslim. I, I'm not getting yeah. into a theological discussion. I'm trying to just focus on the counterterrorism. No, but she's saying she's saying that the the people who are it's being perpetrated against are Muslim, but the the attackers can be Muslim as well. Right. But but I have to say I don't understand why that's being directed at me. By by no means did I say that wasn't the case or it wasn't true. So I don't understand why that's being directed at me. I'm merely saying. You said they're coming after us. They're not just yes, coming they after are, us. Yes, they are in fact coming after us. So we need to sit here but and talk about all the But they're mostly going after each other. They're when going after us, Shia. I'm referring they're to America Turkey, and Europe and the West Dhaka, and all peaceful Muslims and everyone Bangladesh. around the world who doesn't believe it's strapping a suicide vest on because you're disaffected, because you have some belief that somehow this will take you to a place of paradise and virgins. Whatever the case may be, everybody who isn't on that team is on my team. This notion you have in your head that when I say us, I'm referring to what? Re- Re- Republican Americans? I was in the no, counterterrorism center of the CIA. Americans. I was working with foreign allies all That's over the advice. world to try and stop these kinds of attacks. So w- w- you're making an implication that's preposterous. And I have to be honest with you, after this sort of an attack happens, there is this knee-jerk reaction that we see from people who are center to, to left of center, constantly trying to sort of wrap all this around the bad rhetoric of people who want to speak openly and honestly about terrorism. Yeah. We're just trying to empower the moderates from okay. within Muslim societies. We're trying to empower our allies in countries that we do work with in the Muslim world and outside the Muslim world to stop people from getting mowed down at a celebration of a national holiday. That's it. Which include other Muslims. Yeah, I've okay. said that by four the way, or five times already. By the way, stop it. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> this is a professor from Georgia State University. Again, a professor... From a university. Why wouldn't Buck Sexton say it five or six times? He I know. He doesn't believe if it. If it doesn't, if this doesn't stop, we, and I mean all those who don't think that they, we should strap a suicide vest to our chest, we're all dead. We're all dead. Do we understand that yet? This is coming to America soon. Buck? Glenn, I, I have to tell you, you know, the context for that one exchange is also uh, relevant. We had just finished one segment where I had, I had listened to people who are terror experts, you know, whatever, whatever that may mean. I'll leave it to others as to how expert people are based on what they say, where the entire focus, Glenn, we have, we have now over 80 people mowed down and killed. Uh, how, how much questioning do we have to do about whether this was 
a jihadist attack. I mean, they're, they're going to sort of pretend that they can't tell the motive. Even if they find a signed confession or a martyr video somewhere, we're still going to be told that we don't know what the motive is. But all I heard about from these, these so-called terror experts was, well, France does a bad job of assimilating Muslim minorities. Oh, and, up. you know, th- that's, that's where, and also Republican rhetoric inflames the Muslim world and creates, I mean, if because Donald Trump tweets something, you're going to strap on a suicide vest or drive a truck into a crowd of people, men, women, and children, and, and mow them down by dozens at a time, well, uh, you you're say already that. a problem. If you could say that, then um, we should all be strapping suicide vests to our chest over the things that Barack Obama has said about Republicans, conservatives, Christians, Tea Partiers, and we're not doing that. Um, Jason, um, you have watched this for a long time, and Buck, I want you to r- r- ring in on this. This is they've they've said that they've they've been saying do this very thing. Except this most likely wasn't a lone wolf because of what was in the van. I don't. The profile doesn't fit. I, it's it's very confusing at the moment. So what we know about the attacker was um, what they're saying initially is that he's a lone wolf, which I personally hate the term. I uh, I think it's a a way to uh, to lessen the fact that um, these uh, terror and jihadist groups are are active. And um, it, 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 it just, it's, a, it's a political term, and I hate it. He was radicalized. Um, this guy was most probably, my gut says, not alone. My gut says this was probably a rushed attack. Um, he was uh, in the midst of a divorce, had several kids. He was, quote-unquote, a, a petty criminal. Um, but he was able to acquire a large truck that was filled with grenades, explosives, and weapons. Now, well, that's pretty hard to do in France. It's, it's, <laughs> I mean, you could do that at a Walmart. Don't, don't get me wrong. A yeah. six-year-old kid could go into a Walmart. Yeah. They can't buy a book, but they can get grenades <laughs> and rifles and everything else. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I, I call shenanigans in this whole thing because the laws are there that, you know, to, there's great gun control laws there. So I, 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 this, yeah. is, there's no, this is impossible. It couldn't have right. happened. This is, yeah. But um, so I, my, what, what we do know is that the head um, ISIS field commander was just recently killed in Iraq. He was, uh, his name is Omar Shashani. Um, he was more kind of like their General Patton. He was, uh, he, he was a loved figure. He was, like a, uh, uh, he was like a storybook hero almost for these guys. Um, we just took him out. Uh, my, my gut here, just based off the fact that um, the profile doesn't fit what they're, or what's, what's coming out about a lone attacker doing this with this amount of hardware, is that he was probably a part of a larger group um, and this was meant for a larger attack. What do you think, Buck? Uh, I mean, very hard to tell. I agree that the the amount of uh, the sort of munitions that he that he had it's, that seems to point to a logistics network, uh, and and so it looks like there's probably support. And, and oftentimes, uh, an individual who was radicalized. And by the way, just one note: I'm I'm already seeing Glenn this. Well, you know, he his marriage was disintegrating. Lots of people's marriages disintegrate. <laughs> Very few people decide that they're going to engage in a mass casualty terrorist attack. The precondition for this kind of action is a belief in jihadism. All these other externalities get thrown in as a means of essentially pushing us, you know, throwing us off the scent. Um, and, and so I think we'll find out much more about whatever logistics networks and, and such, and such that, he, that he may have had. Um, as to the attack itself, 
a lot of people have pointed to Inspire Magazine back in 2010, talking about mm. pickup trucks and very specifically yep. mowing people down you know, in the name of Allah. There have been, uh, I, I've seen a screen grab. Some of my friends do sort of the, the cyber analysis of what's going on with the online caliphate. And even as recently as a month or two ago, there, was all, there, there have been a number of things shared about using trucks or large vehicles in this way. And even uh, Abu Muhammad al-Adnani, who is the sort of head spokesman for the Islamic State, uh, has mentioned specifically using a, a vehicle or truck to, to run people over. So this has been out there for quite a while. It's honestly something that counterterrorism services have been worried about. But again, this then puts us in the category of, you know, they, by the way, my understanding is none of the guns actually, that he may have used the guns, but none of them actually were, were able to uh, cause any fatalities. It was all the truck. Uh, what do you do about this? The only way you can you can handle this from a counterterrorism perspective is to stop the stop the attacker before he can attack to disrupt a plot, uh, or, or you look at what they can't ban all vehicles. So this just goes to show the ideology is the enemy here, and not not banning or rather the tools that are used can't be banned as a means of preventing this kind of thing. As a security expert um, that's looked at securing venues like this before. Um, I find it very, very worrisome that the jihadists and uh, the rest of these terrorists are adapting a lot quicker than we are. Um, I remember looking at the last um, last couple airport attacks. It's very obvious that they're they're adapting what the targets they hit. They don't tar- a lot of them don't target uh, in flight aircraft anymore. They don't try to hijack them for one because they don't have the trade craft. It's hard to pull off that to get attackers with weapons actually up in the air on an aircraft. Um, now they're doing the ticket areas. Exactly. So they're like, well, well, okay, so we'll just hit them on the ground. There's 200 people that we're going to kill. We're, we're just going to adapt. We're just going to change our, you know, our tactics and hit them in another spot. What a better way as, as if while the entire world is just so scared that we're going to launch one of these attacks in the air, while, the, while that creates a bottleneck at TSA and other security services, we'll right. just hit them there. So I am, here's, here's my biggest concern. This is coming to America soon. Uh, I mean, it's already here. We just keep denying it. I mean, hello, Orlando. Um, uh, but it's, it's coming here, and it's going to start overwhelming people. And how long before we have a couple of things going on, mm-hmm. before we just start taking away all kinds of rights? Newt Gingrich is like, we got to talk to all Muslims. You're for Sharia law. You're out. Well, okay, like you're going to answer yes to that question when they come. Um, it, ridiculous. We're now talking about Japanese internment camps, basically. Um, uh, beyond that, we will have martial law or we will have uh, severe pinching back of all of our rights in the name of safety, and Americans will give that power away. Yeah. On top of it, the Americans that don't want to give that power away will start we'll start having the Bubba effect. Yeah. We all know the Bubba effect is absolutely real and something that you're already seeing. You're already seeing nobody's telling me the truth. That's what the shooter's parents were saying. He didn't believe in the president. He didn't believe in the system anymore. He thought he was being lied to on everything. Well, that's the Bubba effect. We haven't seen... Uh, the the types of attacks that we prepared for uh, in the organization that I was with before, um, we haven't even seen any of these jihadist groups attempt yet, which I cannot believe. And I'm not even going to mention the targets that they could hit. I'm just not going to do it on air. But it's coming. 
And you talk about the response that happens when that happens. The Bubba effect is exactly what's going to happen when that Bubba? Happens. I mean, uh, Buck, tell me, about, tell me about your thoughts on that quickly. Sure. I just I think it's essential that we all understand that how we discuss jihadism and terrorism really matters, uh, because if we don't have the political will to take useful action and if we don't have the political will to stand up in a united fashion, protecting our rights, understanding that we can't give up what makes our society free in order to take on this enemy, if we don't do those things, the war, the war is already lost. We're, we're essentially seeding uh, the battlefield before we've even uh, fully taken it on, and and I just think that right now you're seeing this almost. It is really pathological from the left to try and find anybody but the obvious perpetrator. Glenn, there are a lot of people in this country, some with very big platforms, some with large followings, who would rather believe that Republicans are somehow responsible for driving. Muslims to jihadist radicalization, then that there is a problem within the Muslim world about radicalization, and we need to tackle it as a united front all over the world. That's a scary thing. And I I personally uh, want to uh, uh, thank people like Rover Norquist for helping that out. (laughs) Buck, I appreciate it. Thank you very much, Jason. Thank you, Glenn. You bet. Um, Selling your home is really an emotional thing. The memories, um, the hard work it took to be able to buy the house, the money you've spent maintaining your house. um, And maybe because you don't want to sell your house, maybe you have to sell your house. When you want to sell it, you want a real estate agent who understands what you're going through, understands that you've got to move and the house has to move. You're going to find that agent at realestateagentsitrust.com. The goal is to connect you with an agent who can help sell your home as quickly as possible for the best price as possible. Agents who are just like you, fans of the show, similar values, and it is working all across the country. Houses that had been sitting on the market for months are now selling, and people are being able to take that burden off of their shoulders. So get moving. Get moving right now. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com, where individually selected agents will work to earn your business every day. Sell your home on time for the most money. Realestateagentsitrust.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Sign up for the newsletter and get all the info you need to know at glennbeck.com. Mercury. I am a big fan of disruptive ideas, and this year, Casper Mattresses is on the top of my list. Hi, it's Glenn Beck, and I love sleeping on my Casper Mattress. Casper is an obsessively engineered mattress at an unbelievably fair price. It combines springy latex and supportive memory foams to create an award-winning sleep service with just the right sink and just the right bounce. And better yet, it breathes so you don't wake up drenched in sweat. Time Magazine named it one of the best inventions of 2015. In fact, it's now the most awarded mattress of the decade. Try Casper for 100 nights risk-free in your home. And if you don't love it, they're going to pick it up and refund everything. Imagine that, a company so confident that their product is what you want, that they'll offer a 100% refund. Made in America, with free shipping and returns to U.S. and Canada. Get $50 off of any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash glen and use the promo code glen. Terms and conditions do apply. Go to casper.com slash glen, casper.com slash glen. 
This is the Glenn Beck Program. Why have I been so passionate about values and principles and uh, this election and begging, doing everything we can to beg for some divine providence? Do you hate Muslims? Yes. Um, you know, I have to tell you something, and I want to say this sincerely. There are two kinds of people that just I just hate. Jeffy? No. Uh, bigots and well, Muslims. So, right. uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Oh, yeah. um, the, you know, we, we have to stop saying. <laughs> we have to stop saying racist when you point out that it is about Islam. We have to. We have to. We have to stop doing this, or we're not. We're not fighting the ideology. We didn't hate the Germans. We hated the ideology of Nazism. I don't hate Muslims. I hate the ideology of Islamists. There, there is a huge difference. And if you don't know what it is, read the book. It is about Islam. But there's other trouble on the horizon that you need to know about. An amazing conversation that we have to have on digital banking. Next. The Glenn Beck Program. Ken Timmerman, correspondent and investigative journalist in the Middle East for Newsweek magazine, written several books. The latest is Deception, the making of the YouTube video Hillary and Obama blamed for Benghazi. This is a story you have not heard before. I want to get to that here in a second. First, let me bring him on because he lives, he's lived in south of France for 20 years. He was just in Nice, France, where this is happening. Ken, welcome to the program. Uh, thanks for having me on, uh, Glenn. It's really a sad day, I've got to say, for everybody in Nice and and in France, and really for us, because uh, this is an attack on Western civilization. You know, um, Ken, I have to tell you, you know, you, you talk to many of your fellow journalists, and they will um, call you all kinds of names uh, for saying this is an attack on the West. We just heard this from CNN just a few minutes ago. Um, you know, and, and why do you hate Muslims so much? That uh, this is... This is an attack on all of the West, and it's coming here. Uh, it's already here. Uh, yeah. You know, when you have, in this case, a, a, a French Muslim uh, who shouts Allah Akbar before he mows down uh, civilians, uh, pedestrians, uh, revelers at a, uh, you know, after the fireworks, or somebody who, who kills innocents shouting Allah Akbar in a nightclub in Paris, they're doing it in the name of an ideology. This is not something that they're just inventing. It's, it's an ideology that is at war with no. us, and that's what we need to recognize. Ken, I, I will tell you, maybe you'd miss this because you were living in the south of France. 
Um, the guy who killed the homosexuals in uh, Orlando screamed Allah Akbar. But as the president pointed out, we may never know his true motive. <laughs> yes, well, uh, and, and if we continue to keep our eyes closed, we may never know that it's night out either. Right. Ken, uh, I'm, I'm um, looking at your book. I have not read it yet, but I have to tell you, this is unbelievably intriguing um, because this is stuff I've, I've not heard before. The, the book Innocent of Muslims, The Innocence of Muslims, is the video that uh, Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton blamed Benghazi on. Uh, and they put the guy who made it in jail. But you say we don't even begin to know the story. Right. I can tell you one thing. It's a, it's a very quick read. It's a fun book to read. It's a, it's a story of the people involved in making the video and how they were persecuted, literally persecuted, by Hillary Clinton in person, by people in her office, and by Barack Obama. Uh, they woke up the day after the Benghazi attacks, and they were blamed by our government for the deaths of four Americans, when in fact, you know, we know now that the, this YouTube video had nothing to do with the Benghazi attacks. In fact, it didn't go viral until after Benghazi. And one of the things that I point out in my book, Deception, is that it went viral with the help of the U.S. government. And now this is not, because I've known that as, well, of course they're talking about it, so everybody wants to watch the video, they're going to go. But you say it's much bigger than that. It is bigger than that, and I, I worked with a number of uh, uh, Internet sleuths, if you wish, people who, are, who, who track how things go viral, and uh, they looked at this, and, and we went day by day. There's a graph in, in the book or a chart that shows how it went viral day by day after the attacks, and it was on this uh, YouTube channel that uh, we believe was uh, probably set up by a U.S. government contractor. Okay, now listen, listen to this. What happened was it went viral, then the YouTube channel was lost and wiped clean. And, and somebody who was smart enough uh, took a snapshot of all of the information that shows who the contractor is. And you say that he has ties to John Brennan, our CIA director, and that's, a, that's and what a we top... believe. And, okay. and we've gone through this and, and looked at it. Uh, now... The company says, oh, no, we don't know anything about that. But it was a pretty soft denial when I contacted them. So what is the – and where is the tie to Google? What, what's happening with Google? Well, here's the thing with Google. Uh, they fought for two and a half years to keep this video online. The actress uh, who was the one who filed the lawsuit, and she's one of the subjects of the book, uh, Cindy Garcia – um, she she uh, uh, got a law firm to do this for free, pro bono, to try to take down the video. She said, I'm not a bigoted person. I, this wasn't me. Uh, I was tricked into this. Take it down. It's hate speech. And Google said, no, no, no. We've got to keep this up. We now know, and again, I reveal this in deception, we now know that Hillary Clinton's staff was in touch with Google uh, to get them to keep the movie online. They spent probably millions of dollars in, in legal fees, fighting the lawsuit to keep it up online. And yet, just last week, Google takes down a video that explains the ideology of Sharia, the ideology of jihad. They take it down as hate speech. Why? Because they don't want Americans to learn about that. But they do want a video to stay up that incites Muslims to violence so the administration can blame it 
for the attacks in Benghazi, and the rest of us won't pay any attention. We'll be looking at the deception, and we won't be looking at what actually was going on in Benghazi. This is quite a charge. I mean, this is, uh, this is, this is an amazing um, uh, story of intrigue. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a Tom Clancy thriller novel um, that is, that, you know, that you're showing that, or claiming that all of this stuff uh, is, you know, a cloak and dagger between the White House, Hillary Clinton, uh, and Google. And it's documented. Uh, and, and we know now, both from the Benghazi Select Committee report and from Hillary's emails, uh, a lot of this information. Uh, I had access to the emails uh, in, by the time I had finished the book, which was about two months ago. And now the Benghazi Select Committee uh, came out with their report, which confirms what I was, uh, what, what I was saying. We learned, for example, that Hillary uh, Clinton was sitting for two hours that night between 7.30 p.m. and 9.30 p.m. Uh, on a secure video teleconference with the White House, and they came out of that meeting two hours, not with orders to rush military forces to save our people in Benghazi, but five of their ten, talk, five of their ten action items was to, were to contact Google and contact YouTube. <laughs> so, um, you know, you make this, Ken, you're not a, you're not a nobody. I mean, you, you've been an investigative journalist in the Middle East for Newsweek. Um, you're, you're not some quack. You're, you're not me making this charge. <laughs> why, is, why have I never heard this? Well, look, it, it, takes, it, it takes time. You've got to do the investigation. I've spent uh, the past year, year and a half with the filmmaker, right, the guy who was thrown in jail, uh, with this actress, with her lawyers. I've been going through all the court documents. I've been going through the emails. It's, it's uh, a labor-intensive uh, uh, struggle here, Glenn, and, and, and you've got to want to do it. And so most uh, reporters just you know, don't have that kind of time. The, the national media no longer does investigative reporting. Uh, it's done primarily by outside organizations, uh, think tanks, uh, people who work with foundation grants, and then they give the subject to their, you know, investigations to the media, which then runs it without question. Uh, so I invested my own time, my own money to do this investigation. The filmmaker's not in jail anymore, is he? No, he's out, but I can tell you he, he is still scared out of his wits. Uh, I bet he because is. He, he believes as long as Obama is in power, uh, they can put him back in jail at any time. And you know what? That's right. It's a, it, and how did they how did they pick him in this video? How did this come about? How did how did anybody in the White House know this video that had like you know a hundred views? Well, that uh, I, I tracked that uh, in in the book, and you see that there there was a a bit of uh, uh, back and forth in Egypt about the video. Somebody had uh, they had dubbed it the filmmaker actually had dubbed it in Arabic and put a Arabic trailer uh, where he said this is the life of Mohammed and it's supported by all of the classic Islamic text and by the way if you dispute that I'd be happy to talk to you and he left an email address. And of course a couple of people talked about that in Egypt and they presented it as a sectarian uh, uh, thing, not anti-Muslims, but sectarian by Coptic Christians. So the U.S. Embassy in Cairo uh, got word of this over Twitter and said, hey, two days before the attack, hey, we don't know anything about this video. What is it? And they started going back and forth, and they started apologizing over Twitter 
on the 10th, the 9th and the 10th of September. So it was kind of percolating its way up the, uh, up into the food chain in the State Department. But what's really ironic here, Glenn, is that uh, even today, even today, some of Hillary's closest advisors think it was a different video. I, I couldn't believe that when I read the transcript. What do, what do, what do, what do, what do you mean? Well, <laughs> when I read the transcript of, uh, of Cheryl Mills' interview with Benghazi Select Committee, she referred to a completely different video. Oh so all they knew, yeah. it was an anti-Muslim, that's what they had in their oh ideas, an Islamophobic video and that they were blaming for the attacks. And... You know, I don't know. I, I can't believe that Cheryl Mills was lying about that in a sworn deposition. But you, you, it just really blew my mind to find that out. Ken, I am, I am um, uh, increasingly concerned that the media doesn't care, that America is starting to lose uh, uh, faith or belief or even they, – they don't even think that it's necessary, the first, second, third, fourth, fifth – Sixth, seventh, and eighth, and ninth, and tenth amendments. They just don't think those are necessary anymore. And I'm I'm looking at things now. If they can do this, and you have documented that Google was involved with this, that the White House, um, you know, did their best to uh, to hype this up. All of us are in trouble, no matter what your ideological. I mean, you, you know, this guy says, well, as long as uh, Barack Obama's in the office. Well, who could Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton hit? I mean, you get people of bad character. They can pretty much do anything now and claim anything. And we're going to jail because nobody in journalism is doing their job. That's right. They're, they're manipulating reality. That's what this is really all about. Uh, there's, a, there's a wonderful film that I think about when I think about uh, deception. Uh, it, it's called the Now You See Me. And it's a story oh, yeah. of a magic, you know, the four horsemen, a magic act. <laughs> And they, they say, you know, look at my, look at what I'm doing over here. Look at, look at my right hand. And you watch this, this fantastic thing. And then all of a sudden, what they're really doing is over there on the left. And that's what this was all about. Focus on the video. Watch what my right hand is doing. Look closely. Here's my right hand. It's, it's really bad. It's terrible. And they don't want you to look over there on the left where they're selling arms to jihadi groups in Benghazi. And those arms are flowing into the Syrian, Syrian rebels. And they know that it's being done illegally. You really had some credibility until you said "Now You See Me" was. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good a movie. Great, great movie. That is a great. Is a movie. great movie. You're alone on that one, Stu. <laughs> um, I I will tell you, Ken. I'm I'm um, delighted. I will go out and buy your book today. I'll download it today. Um, uh, I'm delighted that you took the time and and had the belief and and did your own homework and spent your own money on this um, because I think this is important work. This is this is what we said. Uh, three days after Benghazi. It has nothing to do with that. They are running guns right. into, the, into the people who are now ISIS. That's right. Um, and, uh, and we were called crazy for it. And you took the time. Uh, how many years? Two, well, has it been two I, I years? Actually, been I was three? running for Congress in 2012. I was a Republican nominee in Maryland's 8th Congressional District. And I woke up on the 12th of September 2012 after that attack, and I said, this does not smell right. And I didn't have the time at that point to devote to it because I was running a campaign. But as soon as the campaign was over, I started to look into it. And, and so I've been working on Benghazi really since, since like January of 2013. Ken, thank you so much. I'm glad to have you on the air. I appreciate it. The, the name of the book is Deception, the making of the YouTube video Hillary and Obama blamed for Benghazi. Deception is the name of the book. 
an important book historically, one that will be very important for you to be able to keep because I guarantee the history books will not report these things. I have never heard any of these charges. The evidence is in the book. One of those things, clay pots that you need to keep so your children correct the history in the coming generations. Absolutely unbelievable. And now this. What price do you put on protecting your family? Big home security companies know that you'd pay practically any amount for your family's security, so they prey on your emotions. They give you a system for free. They lock you into a long-term contract. They charge you $40, $50, or $60 a month for monitoring for years. They have made up the price of that system in the first six months, and yet you're paying for it for years, and you're trapped. You're not. Stop. If you need a security system, if you need somebody to watch over your house, it's $14.99 a month. And you own the system, and there's no contract. So you want it this month, you don't want it next month. And you can move with it because you own it. And 24-7 monitoring, no contract. Get it when you need it. Simply Safe Home Security for the protection that we trust. SimplySafeBeck.com. Go there now, save 10%. SimplySafeBeck.com. That's SimplySafeBeck.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. So glad that you are here today. I um, uh, I want to talk tell you about our um, our uh, Liberty or Liars Museum tour that is happening in August. I think it's the fourth, fifth, and sixth of August or something like that. Somebody go to glenbeck.com slash Liberty or Liars. This museum this year will have well over $50 million worth of uh, items in it and things that I, I can't believe. We have to prove Bill O'Reilly wrong, just, just for giggles, on killing Patton. We have uh, General Patton's toe tag um, and, uh, and just things that you, just, you won't believe that you're seeing. Uh, we only open this up once a year. And uh, if you've ever gone before, you know what this is like. It'll be it's just it's remarkable, and you can get your tickets. I think they're they're cheap for family passes, but you can also get them for a VIP where you're having dinner with us, and I give you the personal tour. There are experts that are going to be there for you know even the cheap tours and the you know really expensive tours, and I'm going to be there all weekend, and I'd love to see you. Make sure you come to our museum, our history museum, first week of August here in Las Colinas, Texas, and go to glenbeck.com slash liberty or liars and liars. This is something like this. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.
Hello, America, and welcome to the program. More on the terrorist attacks in Nice, France. By the way, um, guess who left the airport and was on his way to Nice and is in Nice today? Uh, right? Is in Nice today land? Left. No, left Nice. Okay. Le- was at the airport and left Nice just hours before the attacks. And I say we don't ever let him out of the country. I don't think we let him out of a Kevlar bubble ever. Clarence Thomas was in Nice, France just yesterday. And he was teaching the Constitution in France. Here's an idea, Clarence. I think maybe there's some places you should teach it here in America. But maybe that's just me. The most important man possibly in America today just missed the terrorist attacks. Plus, we have more on uh, uh, Black Lives Matter. I have an amazing story to tell you that happened yesterday. Um, Steven Crowder is going to be with us. And more on the progressive donors of the Democratic Party. We always hear about the Koch brothers. The Koch brothers are like the 56th largest donor uh, to political campaigns. And by the way, it's not donors it, 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 and the money that is in politics, it's the favors exchanged for those donations. That's the problem. This week we learned that George Soros and the, uh, the uh, Steyer brothers and liberal Hollywood, how they fund the left in order to enact their extreme agendas. Today, you're going to learn about unions and the major role they play in funding and implementing their own interests through our political system. We start there right now. I will make a stand. I will raise my voice. I will hold your hand. Cause we have won. I will beat my drum. I have made my choice. We will overcome. Cause we are The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck decisions by the Supreme Court have left the American people with a status quo in which one side's billionaires are pitted against the other side's billionaires. Except one side doesn't have many billionaires. Other than George Soros, Tom Steyer, uh, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, Michael Bloomberg, Fred Eichner, Mark Zuckerberg, and dozens more, Harry Reid is exactly right. Reid continues to push the ridiculous lie that there are no Democrat or liberal billionaire donors. Even though 60% of the top billionaires that contribute to political causes are Democrat and or progressive liberals. In addition, somehow flying under the radar of huge political contributors are the largest contributors to money in politics on planet Earth. Unions. Unions top the list of organizations that donate to political causes and large corporations are behind them. 14 of the top 25 political donors were unions, and virtually all of them donate exclusively to Democrats. Democrats also have the largest single donor source of any kind over the past 25 years, a political action committee, or PAC, called Act Blue, which was launched in 2004 and has already amassed an incredible fortune of $1.1 billion for Democrats. But so far, they have only spent $100 million of it. 
Former SEIU President Andy Stern explains why unions like his spend so much money on elections. And we are beginning, we have offices now in Australia and in Switzerland and London, in South America and Africa. We've been trying to use the power of persuasion. And if that doesn't work, we're going to use the persuasion of power because there are governments and there are opportunities to change laws that affect these companies. I'm not naive. We're ready to strike. And Stern and SEIU unabashedly put up tens, even one hundreds of millions of dollars to accomplish their goals. Stern sounded like an elected official who would be writing and voting on legislation when he made these promises to his SEIU members at the SEIU convention in Puerto Rico back in 2009. I pledge we will, before the next convention, proudly join our Canadian brothers and sisters to be a nation that guarantees affordable health care for every man, woman, and child. Isn't it time? Isn't it time? Isn't it time we do that? I pledge, I pledge, we'll restore the American dream by passing the employee free choice and helping millions, millions of workers join our movement. I pledge we'll begin to win quality services in our community and finally create a pathway to citizenship for all the hard-working immigrants in our country, all that we saw earlier today. They deserve something better from America than the hide in the shadows in our country. Obviously, Stern wasn't able to get immigration reform done or force workers into his unions. But he did deliver on his health care promise. So just how influential is his impact? Listen to Barack Obama. We had worked together, and you had seen that I was willing to stand by your side even when it wasn't politically convenient. Your agenda has been my agenda in the United States Senate. Before debating health care, I talked to Andy Stern and SEIU members. Before immigration debates took place in Washington, I talked with Alcia Medina and SEIU members. Before the EFCA, I talked to SEIU. So we've worked together over these last few years, and I'm proud of what we've done. I'm just not satisfied because I know how much more we could accomplish as partners in an Obama administration. Just imagine, just imagine what we could do together. Just imagine what we could do together. Imagine having a president whose life work was your work. There is no need to imagine it anymore. Americans have actually witnessed it. Andy Stern was a regular at the Obama White House, where in just his first year... The top visitor on the list is Andy Stern, the president of the Service Employees International Union with 22 visits. Later, AFL-CIO President Richard Trumka was asked about how often he visited Obama at the White House. Trumpka was asked how often he has conversations with the White House. He responded with, conversations or be at the White House? When the response was both, Richard Trumpka said he visits the White House two to three times per week and talks to somebody at the White House every single day. That is serious labor union access to the President of the United States. No one else including most of the members of Obama's cabinet, some of whom have had zero contact with the president. No one else has had that kind of contact 
with the White House. Imagine if the head of ExxonMobil had bragged about visiting the George Bush White House 150 times a year and spoke with George Bush every day. Imagine Enron or the Koch brothers or Goldman Sachs. Speaking of Goldman Sachs, the much-maligned investment banking firm is one of the large companies on the list of top corporate donors along with the unions, placing it at number 16. However, it may come as a surprise to some that 52% of their contributions, the majority, went to Democrats. And now, on with the countdown. At the top of the donor list, of course, is SEIU, having donated some $232 million, 99% of which went to Democrats. The National Education Association was second, followed by the American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees. Then the FAR Group, an executive search consulting firm. The Carpenters Union and the American Federation of Teachers round out the top six groups for political contributors, all of which gave nearly every dime to Democrats. In fact, eight of the top 10 and 18 out of the top 25 are Democratic donors. Another organization that is continually demonized by the left, one that is supposedly had so many politicians in its pocket, the evil NRA, is 75th, having contributed a total of $22 million since 2002, 17% of which went to Democrats. The left will make the NRA sound like they are cozy cousins with politicians. But it seems as though when you look at the facts, they may need a long-distance dedication. President Obama recently attacked the 75th largest donor. Every other thing that we use. I, I just came from a meeting today in the Situation Room in which I've got people who we know have been on ISIL websites, living here in the United States, U.S. citizens. And we're allowed to put them on the no-fly list when it comes to airlines. But because of the National Rifle Association, I cannot prohibit those people from buying a gun. Obama knows that this isn't the NRA that allows that person to purchase a gun. It, again, is the Constitution. And as a constitutional scholar, he knows it inside and out. Americans have a Second Amendment right to own a gun. And authorities must go through due process in order to deny them that right or any right. Putting someone on a no-fly list is obviously easier, since air travel is not a constitutional right. But that tactic is typical of what Republican political donors face from Democrats like Obama and, of course, Harry Reid. They are attacked as if they had bought and paid for every Republican in Congress. There is absolutely no question. The Koch brothers are in a category of their own, in both kind. No one else pumping money into shadowy campaign organizations and campaigns like they are. There isn't even a close second. As demonstrated all week, nothing could be further from the truth. The Koch brothers were only 59th on Politico's list of individual donors. And Koch Industries is 44th on the list of top organizations. The same list where the NRA finds itself in 75th place. 
So why do Reid, Obama, Clinton, Sanders, and others repeatedly lie about the money they receive from donors, as well as the contributions from right-leaning groups and individuals to Republicans? Perhaps it's to make the system seem rigged. Or is it to try to intimidate the opposition into not getting into the game, thus having the playing field to themselves? Whatever the reason... The truth is easily obtained. You, as an American, you have the right and the responsibility to research all of this information and discover the truth for yourself. Glenn Beck. If, you, if, if you've missed any of these serials, go to glennbeck.com slash serials. Uh, and uh, and look them up. You will find yourself in a wormhole of history and knowledge uh, that we urge you to do your own homework and begin with the serials and spread these uh, serials. Let us also know if there is something that you want us to cover. We send it to you, Pat. Uh, if people, if you have a suggestion yeah. of things you want to yes, uh, you us can. to cover, yeah. at Glenn, uh, Pat uh, Pat Gray Glenbeck.com. Okay. Uh, now this. 2008, Lehman Brothers had a capital ratio of less than 3% of its assets. A capital ratio of less than 3%. So when the value of its assets fell more than 3%, the bank was done. That was Lehman Brothers. Now, Deutsche Bank has a capital level of less less than 3%. Less than Lehman Brothers did. And unfortunately, remember what happened with the CDOs? We had, what was it, $7 trillion of CDOs that were at play uh, in 2008, and that's what brought us down. Just Deutsche Bank, the German, the big, this is like Bank of America. The big German bank now has less than 3% capital level, and their derivatives, their uh, uh, CDOs, are in excess of $70 trillion. That's more than the entire GDP of the globe. One bank. This bank fails, and it brings all of us down. I can't stress to you enough how close we are to the brink. With the uncertainty in the world... Last night, 80, what's the number up to now? 82? 82 people killed in France? 84. 84 now? This is coming to America. It's coming to the entire West. Now is the time, please, to put together your, your assets and to make sure that you are prepared. I want you to find out about Goldline's legal tender unit. It's one-tenth ounce of pure gold. Uh, it's like a coin, but not exactly. It's actually really, really cool. Made by the Perth Mint in uh, Australia. You want them done by mint so, you, so they are verifiable. You don't want a bar of gold because then people will have to, you know, melt it down and make sure that it's pure and it, I mean, it's just a hassle. You want something made by a mint, and this is the Australian mint. You can buy with confidence right now with their price guarantee programs, Um, and read all of their risk information, find out if it's right for you. Do your own homework, but I urge you, do it now. 866-GOLDLINE, 1-866-GOLDLINE, or goldline.com. 
You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. I, we're we're very interested to see how Ghostbusters, who the villains are in Ghostbusters, because the villains in Ghostbusters, remember, who's the chief villain besides the ghosts? It's, yeah, it's not it's EPA. not about the ghosts. Yeah. The movie is not about the ghosts. It's not. It's about the EPA. It's about the EPA and the university system. Mm-hmm. Let's start with the university system versus capitalism. See if this speech will be in the new. Ghostbusters. You're always so concerned about your reputation. Einstein did his best stuff when he was working as a patent clerk. You know how much a patent clerk earns? No. Personally, I like the university. They gave us money and facilities. We didn't have to produce anything. You've never been out of college. You don't know what it's like out there. I've worked in the private sector. They expect results. (laughs) For whatever reasons, Ray, call it fate, call it luck, call it karma. I believe that everything happens for a reason. I believe that we were destined to get thrown out of this dump. For what purpose? To go into business for ourselves. So they, so this is all pro-small business, yeah. pro-entrepreneur. Anti-university system. Anti-university system. The hero in this movie is not the Ghostbusters. It's them as entrepreneurs. Yes. That, anybody, that these clowns can make it. Yeah. That these clowns could make it. And they couldn't make it in the university system. Uh, because the university system uh, demanded certain standards, et cetera, et cetera. And they were just pigs. That Nobody at the top of the university system looked good. And no one at the EPA remember Yeah, who this, caused the great disaster. Right. Remember this scene. I tried to stop them. He says they have a warrant. Excuse me, this is private property. Shut this off. Shut these all off. I'm warning you, turning off these machines would be extremely hazardous. I'll tell you what's hazardous. You're facing federal prosecution for at least a half a dozen environmental violations. Now, either you shut off these beams or we shut them off for you. And then they shut them off. And what happens? No, wait, 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 wait. But they don't shut them off there. That's when the union guy, yeah. the government needed a union worker to come down and flip the switch that the EPA could have done. And the union guy looks at him and says, I've never seen a system like this. It looks pretty complex. I don't... He may be right. We probably shouldn't shut this down. <laughs> and it's true. I mean, all they had to do was flip a switch, yet the government guy can't walk over and do it himself. He needs to have a union guy there to do it for him. Uh, and, of course, they do that. And what do we get? A, a giant ghost explosion caused by the government. Think of how far we've come. And I can't imagine this is going to be the story in the no, new one no. where the, the hero is the entrepreneur, the villain is the Environmental Protection Agency. Yeah, not just the government, but the EPA. Yes. How far we have come. I mean, I, can't, I have not seen the movie yet. Maybe they stuck to that script, but I, no man, way. Do I doubt no it. Way. Do no I doubt way. it? It's probably going to be some Christian extremist yep. who wants to shut down the ghost machines. <laughs> uh, and they're being paid by the EPA to try to get the ghost you know what's problem under control. Is, this is not... A, this is a total reboot of Ghostbusters. I mean, the Marshmallow Man is in this. So it is a reboot it, it or is remake? A, it's, a, it's a remake. It's a remake. 
Mm-hmm. So they're remaking it. It's just slightly different. But the the uh, from what I've seen in the trailers, the Marshmallow Man, except they're just not up on the roof this time. They're in the streets with the Marshmallow Man. Mm. Uh, it looks terrible. Let's be honest about it. But well, I think it actually looks funny. Oh gosh, I, I, really, do not I just like what's her name, Megan McCarthy or Melissa McCarthy. Melissa McCarthy. I think she is one of the funniest women of all time. Yeah. I think she's hysterical. So I wouldn't see if she wasn't in it. I would not see it. But I'm a fan of hers. I think she's a scream. So you gonna go see it? I think so. I'm interested to see your review. Yeah, yeah, it might be bad, but. A couple of things um, I want to remind you of. We have a um, we have a uh, uh, museum that is going to be shown here. It's our usual history museum, and I think tickets they may start at seven dollars, fourteen dollars, something like something like that. Um, but it is uh, over, uh, well over this year, fifty million dollars worth of priceless artifacts. Uh, and we'll tell you more about those. But get, get your tickets quickly. Go to glenbeck.com, uh, Liars, or Liberty. Check that out. Make sure that's right, Jeffy, because I keep getting this wrong. Glenbeck.com slash Liars or Liberty. And, that's right. Uh, get your tickets. Now, there are liars special are. tickets that are very, very expensive. There are VIP packages that are very expensive. But there's also the tickets that you can buy that are not very expensive. Um, you know, they're like $14 or $7 for your family. So uh, come and see this and witness it for yourself. History like you've never seen it before. And uh, we have tours from me and David Barton and others are going to be giving tours. And you, everybody who's going to be there will know about the items. So they'll be able to talk to you. And you're seeing them up close and personal. I will tell you, for the very first time, we have a gun that came from the Mayflower, a hat, a pilgrim hat that we all made when we were kids, that was on the Mayflower from the Pilgrims. We have the Bradford Bible uh, from the Mayflower that was brought over. And for the first time, uh, and I don't know how long it has been since anybody has seen it, we have the deed of the Mayflower. It is currently um, being sold for, I think, what was it? What was that number, Pat? Was it one? Three million. Or yeah, maybe, uh, yeah. Yeah, That was 1.4, like three something. But it's it's between one and three million dollars being sold just for this one document. It comes out of the Jeffy collection, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. And surprisingly, the deed um, is spelled wrong uh, and in crayon. Weird. So I don't know. Who knew the Mayflower did that? But anyway, you can see that at uh, glenbeck.com. Let me give you slash liar, liarsorliberty.com might be the easiest place to. Okay, liarsorliberty. Easy way to get there. Okay. Liarsorliberty.com. Okay, let me go to Noreen quickly. Hello, Noreen. How are you? No, my name is Laureen. Oh, Laureen. Oh, how are you? I'm sorry. Hi. Hi, Hi. Great to talk to you. Thank Thank you you for taking my call. Thank you. Um, I'm calling from Washington State. 
Really? Um, Where in Washington State? Zilla. Just south of Yakima. Ah, okay. Uh, All right. We do know that. Mm -hmm. Nights of vacation home. In God's country. Yes, yes, yes. So what's up, uh, Laureen? Well, my question is, you teased us about the Nazarene Fund and great news on Monday, and then we never heard another word about it. Well, now, are you sure you've listened to every word? And it wasn't you that it was maybe perhaps you that missed it, right? No, no. Yeah, you're right because I no, you're right. I I, <laughs> I was hoping that I could blame it on you, but no, I can't. Um, <laughs> Laureen, here. So here's the here's the really good news. Um, you know, we had kind of stalled at about three hundred and or two hundred and forty eight people that had gotten out, um, right. and then the terrorist attacks uh, happened. Uh, and we laid low and we said to everybody, please don't ask us any questions. Don't, we can't give you any information because things are in the works, but it's very, very dicey. Um, we can announce uh, that we have five countries now that are accepting. Only one country is willing to go on record and, and let us announce that they are taking um, these uh, refugees in. And these are Christian and Zidi refugees. Uh, and that country that we are allowed to announce is Australia. Uh, the first refugees have arrived in Australia about, I think, three weeks ago. And by the, the Lord, yeah, by the <laughs> by the end of this month, we hope to have two thousand refugees out. Uh, hopefully, by fall, we will have five thousand refugees out. We have also moved. To, we have closed down one entire refugee camp, uh, and. Awesome. That refugee camp, uh, these people wanted to stay because they didn't. They feel that if they leave, there will be no Christians left in that part of the in the world, and so we have moved them to the top. And I can't remember if it's Iraq or Syria, but we've moved them to the far northest regions, uh, and they all moved into new houses that were built for them. Uh, Great. And, and so this whole community has been transplanted. And for the first time in two years, an entire refugee camp is now living in their own homes. And they're starting their lives over again. And one more piece of uh, um, uh, good news, or amazing news, I should say. Mercury One is now the largest um, um, uh, relief agency in all of Iraq. Mm. We are doing now more relief for the refugees than anyone else in the world. I was told that yesterday in a, in a, wow. in a staff meeting, and I could not believe it. Um, anyway, wow. so those are the good news, and there will be more good news coming, Noreen. Thank you so much. I'm supposed to, we're supposed to take that as good news, but that actually is uh, quite depressing to me. Like this little stupid thing that we're audience here was for. Extraordinarily I mean, they're jealous. great, but like, I, there's no I one else doing more? No, because nobody else is, like the, the UN, all they're doing is they're putting up these plastic tents, and then they're leaving. And they're just, they're just mm. you're just left there. We're actually, I mean... We're doing more than putting up plastic tents and leaving? Yes, believe it or not. Uh. Yeah, that's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> we're, we're actually talking now about doing a job center for these Christians, because a lot of them haven't worked for two years, Right. Um, how do we get them retrained, you know, and updated onto what they need uh, to be able to get them uh, back into the community? But we really want to thank Australia, and like I said, I think there are five countries uh, that are 
taking these refugees, but they're not, they don't want anybody to know because they hear you're from Syria or Iraq and you're immediately a, a bad guy. These are the Yazidis and the Christians. And by the way, we had to change our language on, on the website. We have to say that we're, we're taking in religious minorities or whatever because we realized uh, somebody pushed back in Iraq or Syria and said, well, you, you're only getting the Christians. We're like, no, no, we won't get anybody who's persecuted, the Yazidis. We realized no one, no one was helping the Yazidis get out. No one. They weren't even in consideration. Uh, it was either Muslims, which the governments are doing, or the Christians, which the, some of the private organizations are trying to do. But nobody was paying attention to the Yazidis. So that's who's leaving, the Yazidis. And actually, those are the ones also who are most likely to stay because that's their, that, 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 there's no Yazidis anywhere else but there. Uh, and they really needed some help. So that is um, really good news. Uh, is there anything else that we need to cover? Let me take a quick break. And I want to come back and talk to you about traditional banking and the problem with traditional banking. Also, today is the day of rage. And I've, I'm enraged. Are you enraged? Oh, oh my gosh, mm. I'm enraged. Um, today is the day of rage. I think 47 cities across the country have been targeted uh, for an active uh, day of rage. But may we suggest that you make this a day of love instead? Hashtag tweet, uh, Facebook, um, hashtag day of love, just to put some balance in cyberspace today. Uh, to combat the rage that so many are feeling. And now this. A lot of good people looking for work right now. And if you're looking to hire somebody, you can find them. But how do you find the best candidate? ZipRecruiter.com. Now you can post to 100-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. You can find a candidate in any city, any industry, nationwide. You post once and watch your qualified candidates roll into ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. No juggling the emails or calls to your office. You quickly screen the candidates, you rate them, and then you hire the right person fast. Over 800,000 businesses have used ZipRecruiter, and we, we have two of them. Uh, Blaze and Mercury uh, Radio Arts have, have used ZipRecruiter and still use ZipRecruiter when we're hiring because it's so easy and so fast. Right now, you can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. Try it for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck takes on some of the most pervasive lies and destroys the false promises of progressivism by taking you through its history. Get the truth in Liars, the new book by Glenn Beck. Available August 2nd. Pre-order now at glennbeck.com slash liars. The Glenn Beck Program. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. You're 
You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. I want to talk to you a little bit about the problem uh, with our banks, traditional banks. <clears throat> anybody thinks that um, uh, anybody thinks that digital currency is not coming, and a giant reset is coming. Uh, let me just say this: you know the three people that we had on from Black Lives Matter on Monday, and I said we should listen to them and yes. everything else. There's many things that they have been saying. It just pissed me off. Frustrating. Uh, very, frustrating. very frustrating. Very frustrating. But listen to them and, 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 and try to get to know them. And, and they're all really nice people. Really nice people. And we do have a lot of things in common. But they are more anti-Barack Obama than even I am. Hmm. Um, yesterday we were talking to them off the air. And uh, one of them said, well, I mean, it doesn't matter if it's going to be Hillary or Trump anyway. Why? Well, because Barack Obama, he's orchestrated this whole thing. He's going to stay in office. He's, there's, going to be, there's going to be a coup or a uh, civil uh, uh, unrest. A civil that, unrest. Yeah, that will cause him to implement martial law. I've been saying it. And we're looking at him, the one guy, and we're like, uh-huh. Do you, you, do you guys believe this? And both the ladies were like, oh, yeah. What? Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. What? I mean, they both believe that the government is going to take things over. It's crazy. And yet, I don't, you know, I don't think Barack Obama is going to do it. I think there's a chance that one of the three, Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, or Donald Trump, are going to grab the reins because I think they're going to think that they have to because of the situation on the streets in America. Now, if that happens... And let's just say Deutsche Bank, I told you Deutsche Bank is on the verge of collapse, $70 trillion worth of CDOs. That just destroys everybody. Everybody. Um, means the euro just goes to zero. Europe is just a tailspin into Great Depression. And all of the Western world goes into Great Depression, a greater depression more likely. And you're going to have to reset things. So you're going to have to have probably some sort of martial law in this country because there are people who are sowing the seeds of unrest. But once you restart it again, what do you restart it on? What do you restart it on? You restart it on the dollar? You restore the gold standard? You can't restore the gold standard. We don't have, there's not enough gold for the lifestyle that all of us lead. So there's just not enough money to be able to do that. So what are you going to restart it on? Business Insider had an interesting view on the traditional banks. And this has nothing to do with conspiracy theory. This has nothing to do with a collapsing economy. This has everything to do with the reality of today. They said in a very short time, ATMs and actual physical bank branches are going to be as rare as a phone booth. Because right now they're seeing that most people are not using cash. Right. They're using their bank cards, and they're not going to their bank. They're using their cell phone as their, their bank. They're doing all their banking online. Certainly true. Right. So there's no reason really for an ATM machine. Mm-hmm. And the thing of the last time you use cash, the only time I usually use cash is if I'm traveling. If I'm traveling someplace, I, you know, I'm like, i got to get some tips, and, you know, or I want to you know, stop someplace and you know, eat where there's no credit card machine. No debit machine? I mean, everybody has that. Everybody has that. 
So when's, where do you use cash unless you are somebody who, like, I want to use cash? Nowhere. Where are you, when's the last, I used to have to go to the ATM machine. We used to have to put it on our list and somebody's got to go to the ATM machine before the banks close on Friday or, you know, when you go, first it was don't, you know, get to the bank before it closes on Friday. Then it was somebody's got to go this weekend to the ATM machine so we have some money for the weekend. What, when's the last time you did that? Yeah, no way. It's funny, I was going to make a joke about how Jeff, he operates in a lot of uh, all-cash businesses, yeah. um, which, of course, is true. But, I mean, that is also the accusation the government will bring Absolutely. when it tries to pitch this. Exactly. They'll say right. what people are doing is doing illegal things with cash because yes. we can't trace it anymore. And so, that's, but that's it's, all, it's all becoming far too convenient with if this resets, this will reset into a digital currency. I mean, that was their deal with the hundred dollar bills, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Get rid of the hundred dollar bills. Get rid of a hundred dollar bill. I, I have a I have a friend who's very, 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 very wealthy, and um, he came to me in the last week and he said, you know, I went over to his house and he was like, uh, "Why don't you look at my safe?" And he has a safe within a safe. And the safe, this big, beautiful Liberty safe, and I was like, oh, nice. And he's like, no, 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 that's not what I want to show you. And he opened up the Liberty safe, and inside the Liberty safe was another Liberty safe, a smaller one. And I said, what do you have a safe in a safe for? And he said, you'll see. He said, I just want you to know that this is because of you. (laughs) He said, I did my own homework on the banks. And he said, "Crisis is coming, and cash is going to be king at least for a very short period of for a short period of time." In his in his bank vault, he had five hundred thousand dollars in cash. And it, it, was this guy good? Yeah, I know, I know. You'd have uh, to kill me. You'd have to kill me for it, and you would. So, um, but people are like people who are in the know are taking this serious. Mm-hmm. The banks are trouble. Are real trouble. And they're going to start going to digital banking. So what do you have? Cash for a short-term collapse. And what else after? Gold, food, and digits. There's more on this we'll share soon. Well, I have the list. If you're going to the convention of the things that the uh, Secret Service don't want you to bring in to the convention, it's quite an amazing list. Uh, we'll give that to you here in just a second. It is the Day of Rage. Okay. Whatever that means. Um, we have more on what happened in France yesterday and how we're in complete denial. And it's coming here. And Donald Trump has made his official announcement. He made it on Twitter. We'll give you his vice presidential pick right now.
entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Okay. Donald, Donald, Donald Trump. I, I met with Mike Pence and he seems like a really good guy. I liked him a lot. State's doing great, and he sets a great example for the country. He has selected at his vice presidential running mate, Mike Pence. Yeah, the tweet is, I am ple- again, he did this on Twitter, which is interesting. Um, I am pleased to announce that I have chosen Governor Mike Pence as my vice presidential running mate news conference tomorrow at 11 a.m. Now, he canceled it because of the terror attacks last night, so maybe... You know, there's a, there were deadlines as far as what Pence was doing in Indiana and what everyone else was doing in Indiana. So maybe he felt the need to get out before that deadline and make the, make it official. Um, but it is it's an interesting pick. I mean, you know, Pence is certainly a you know, in my view, a much better candidate than Donald Trump is. Uh, he is a, he's a pretty conservative. He is a big big time free trader. Big time to the point of that he thought it one of the most most vital things we could do was to pass the TPP. Uh, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, uh, the thing that Donald Trump has essentially ran you know, the majority of his campaign against. Um, he also came out when Trump made the uh, the Muslim, uh, talked about the Muslim ban uh, and called it unconstitutional. Pence, and wrong. What's that? Didn't he say and wrong? And offensive, I believe, offensive. is his actual quote. Um, so, you know, the two, two of the three big issues you'd associate with Donald Trump during this campaign, trade, the Muslim ban and um, uh, legal immigration, two of those three, he's completely on the opposite side of. It's kind of, so it's an interesting choice from that perspective. Well, he also take, endorsed Ted Cruz. Endorsed Ted Cruz. Although and we deeply. spoke to him, you know, behind the scenes and he wasn't, not a Trump. you know, he, not a Trump fan. He, you know, he wasn't virulently anti-Trump, but not a Trump fan. Is there any of that? Because to, to, re, to rewind and refresh people's memory. Indiana was the last state, essentially, that where this was still in a debate between Cruz and Trump. You went to Indiana mm-hmm. campaigning for Cruz. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of criticism of Pence in, that lead, in the lead-up that it took him a while to get to endorsing Cruz. But everyone knew he was more, more aligned with Cruz than Trump. Everyone knew that. Mm-hmm. Eventually, he pulled the trigger and did endorse uh, Cruz. You and Pence were at the Cruz rally. I think more than one. More than one rally. And so can you, is there any part of that that you can talk about or is no, it like off record? No, I don't feel comfortable sharing things that I could just say that he's not a Trump fan or he wasn't a Trump fan. Clearly not a Trump fan. Clearly not a Trump fan. But he's been won over As, now. Yeah, you know, <laughs> so that's now he's great. looking at the that's options great. and he's been won over. So. Well, this stuff happens. Christie didn't seem like much of a Trump fan during the campaign. Uh, Newt, no, we just found out, was definitely not a Trump fan uh, very recently. And, you know, we just also found out that Ann Coulter, who has been a Trump fan from the get-go, is not a Pence fan and uh, says this is the worst thing that could have happened. Yeah, she's not happy at all about this, apparently. Now, Pence has had some uh, – he has uh, – talked about trying to save the uh, the immigration reform uh, the uh, the what, what, what uh, gang of eight the, I think it was the gang of eight I, I want to say he came in and tried yeah, comprehensive immigration reform was what I wanted yeah. to say because I wasn't sure if it was the exact gang of eight plan but he did try at one point it may have been the Bush one um, from back in the day that he was, was trying to work I, on. I, I, think. I think that was one of my first problems with pants right to because, mid 2000s yeah. 2006 maybe his pants was at one time really strong really good conservative and now 
yeah, you know, he's okay. Yeah, and, and he okay. his background, by the way, if you don't know, he came from talk radio. He was actually a talk radio host at one yeah. time, um, which is kind of interesting and also interesting from the perspective of if you think about the DNC and their resources, what are they going get, to get a hold of from these old talk shows they're going to be able to use against him? I don't know. Is it, yeah. Are we at the point now with Donald Trump? Because we've seen this with Trump where your old statements don't really make any difference. I don't know if that's still the same effect with, with a politician, though. I think it's more of the know. effect with just a celebrity like Trump. Yeah, I so don't. I don't know. If- I don't. I don't know. Here's what Ann Coulter said. She said, um, "Check her Twitter feed." Yeah, I was trying. I was actually just on it to see. I, um, you know, because you you feel like a tweet storm's probably coming. Oh, it is. She's yesterday. She said it. it's a combo platter of disaster. Yeah. She said um, Mike Tyson and her next door neighbor would make a better VP pick than Pence. Mm-hmm. And she also said Pence has too low of an IQ to even become a Walmart clerk. Well, she knows how to make friends, doesn't she? No kidding. Mm-hmm. Jeez. Plus, we all know that's, that's not true. I mean, how did we ever consider her to be conservative? I don't know. It's confusing to me. Because at know. one point we thought she was. She is clearly not. Yeah. No, I don't. She is, con- she is clearly. She hates everybody who's, a, who's conservative. She couldn't stand Ted Cruz. She doesn't like Mike Pence. He's a little bit conservative. Uh Apparently, you've got to be progressive to be in her good graces. Her dream ticket well, I mean, was, was was Trump and Romney. Mike right? Pen- Mike Pence was Christie, yeah, Chris Christie. Uh, Romney would have been a better pick than Mike Pence, though. And, and I'm not saying from my perspective. I'm saying Romney at least is a known quantity. Yeah. Um, uh, he's not going to make. The stupid mistakes. He could defend the Defense of Marriage Act if he had to. Be pretty tough for him to accept that role after all he did to. No, no, he would never do it. But I'm saying no. But I'm saying she said that's yeah. dream ticket. Yeah. I think that is compared to Mike Pence. What does Mike Pence bring to the table? I mean, there might be some people. Indiana certainly, with Trump as the nominee, is a swing state. I mean, you know, remember Barack Obama won this in 2008. It's only been I think twice in the last you know 60 years or so, but. You have to consider it a swing state with with Romney uh, or with uh, Trump on the ticket. So maybe it helps share him up there. It probably helps some conservatives who are borderline on whether they can deal with Trump uh, or not and say, well, at least he's picking someone who's pretty conservative as his VP. You know, if, if Pence was running and we've talked about this, he was I should go back and look at it. We did when we were doing those monthly polls of all the candidates, Pence was included in that. And he was generally I wouldn't say overly well-received, but generally well-received by the audience. Um, I think most people didn't know who he was, and that's another part of this that's interesting. If you look at the way Trump runs things, which is much more like uh, you know, a media campaign than an actual presidential campaign, um, maybe he thought, look, we've got one. I'm the big, strong personality here. We don't need another guy out there shaking things up. I'm going to do plenty of that. We just need someone who's going to get out of the way. And, you know, Pence kind of fits that bill. He, if you remember him from, he had a big problem, if you remember, last year with the uh, RFRA thing um, where he got pressure from Gump companies um, over a religious freedom law and went up folding to that. Um, so that was uh, something he got a lot of criticism for. But more than the criticism of folding, he got a lot of criticism because of the way he handled it in the media. He, was not, he did not do a good job handling it in the media. Um, he also expanded Medicaid. Um, uh, did the Obamacare Medicaid expansion, which we've got a lot of criticism from conservatives, though that fits pretty well with Trump's platform. I mean, Trump has been arguing the whole time that we need to expand those big 
government health care programs. So it's not that part of it is not inconsistent with Trump, though. That is why he got heat from conservatives uh, around the country. A lot, when we were talking about Pence a long time ago, people from Indiana made sure we knew they made sure we remembered that Mike Pence bailed on them on the Obamacare debate. They wanted to make sure. Is there anybody you really want to see next week besides Ted Cruz speak as Cruz speak at the convention? Well, I thought I wanted to see Tim Tebow, but that was a hoax, I guess. Yeah. Uh, hoax. Yeah. So, so there was big reports yesterday that Tebow was going to speak. Yeah, right. um, and Tebow came out yesterday and said, I just want to address this. I am not speaking at the Republican convention. That is a rumor. That's all it is. A bunch of reporters hopped on and said, uh, wait a minute. No, it's not a rumor. We got that from the campaign. That's not a rumor when you get it from the campaign. That was an actual report from a campaign source. Uh, they apparently were leaking that to media, trying to get that attention. But Tebow was never planning to be there. And I, I don't know. I, can't, I, don't, I didn't watch all of his video, but I don't even think he was asked. I don't even think it was one of those things where he asked and he said, no, I don't really want to. I, I, Weird. Why would you do that? Why would the campaign do that? Well, it's similar to what uh, uh, one of one of the you know, history's best PR guys, John Barron, used to do um, all the time. Uh, John, John, John Barron. John Barron. John Miller. You might know him as John Miller. Um, he uh, he's a guy. Right. He, he sounds a little bit like Donald Trump on the phone. Um, oh but, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah what yeah. he used to do is release names like Princess Diana has just joined a wonderful my wonderful club Mar-a-Lago. And these things would be, uh, I, I mean, I mean, my boss's wonderful club, Mar-a-Lago, it would get printed up in the papers, you know, two, three weeks later, Princess Diana would be like, They're, what? what are you talking about? I'm not joining his stupid club, but it would take some time and he would get the publicity and people would theoretically join. So I don't know if it was that, um, but that, that's certainly been a tactic of the past of these now seemingly disappeared from the planet PR people. This shows how irrelevant the um, Libertarian Party really is and how they just have missed their chance. Because I agree with you in that, like, I, if they had a good candidate right now, uh, you'd be seeing really good polls. Though some of these are pretty good. There, there's a poll that came out just uh, yesterday that had Gary Johnson at 12%. If they had a good candidate, they'd be in the 20s. I think I you're think right. Be and the 30s. Listen to this. Threshold's 15, by the way. Listen to this. Listen to this. Um... Associated Press asked Americans if they fear one or both candidates. What would you say if the number is of people, Republican and Democrat, that fear one or both of the candidates? You and I talked about this earlier. I know these numbers, and it's uh, staggering. Let me give you a hint. 25% fear both candidates. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> 25% fear both candidates. We're not done. It's yeah. Usually you like your own guy. You mm-hmm. might not like the other guy, but you like your own guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, the number of, the number of uh, people that fear one of the candidates is 80 one percent. Wow. wow. Twenty-five. They're afraid. Twenty-five percent are quote terrified of both. <laughs> I am the twenty-five percent, yeah. and only and only twenty-six percent are excited at the prospect of either one of the candidates being elected. That's, I've never seen anything mm. like it. I've never How? seen it like it. You're, and the libertarians have they're fighting for twelve. 
it shows what a flawed candidate and a flawed campaign they're running. And also yeah. the system and also I think the, the way people engage in these campaigns as just R versus D sports events. But, I mean, because you're right. I think the issue with Gary Johnson, who is definitely promoting himself as a left-leaning libertarian for whatever reason, and this cycle seems like the worst possible decision. No kidding. But he's also a, a very poor communicator. Mm. I mean, his record in New Mexico is not bad. It's actually pretty good. That's good. Um, he's got some positives, uh, but he's promoting himself as a left-leaning libertarian, and he's just not good uh, in a presentation uh, sense. And, and where his, his running mate, Weld, who is probably even more left-libertarian than he is, uh, is much better. I mean, they, they did a, uh, um, Anderson Cooper, I think it was Anderson Cooper, did a uh, roundtable discussion with them. Again, when has that ever happened? I mean, you know, CNN is doing roundtable uh-huh. discussions with, with libertarian candidates. They actually did a every- countdown to that. They know everybody is, I mean, look at People that. are looking. Uh, and, and 25% are terrified. Weld is a little boring, well, but he's we good at fit into that, don't we? It. Yeah, we fit don't in. We fit into terrified of both. I yeah. am. Yeah, I am. Totally. I mean, everybody in this room is terrified of both. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's not like we're going to get it's not like we're going to get a bad uh, a bad candidate for four years, and we're going to have to undo a lot of things. It's that we might lose our liberty in the yeah. next four years. We might right. we, we it might actually go away in the next four years. Uh-huh. That's that's terrifying. And if you're not terrified of that, I mean. You, you know, sometimes, you know, you're such a fear monger. Sometimes fear is good. <laughs> big when, bear when chasing you. Danger, yes. yes. We've hey. got two big bears chasing us. Sleepy truck driver in your lane just ahead. Right. You well, might want to have a little adrenaline pumping in you. Like, what's that uh, documentary? Is it Grizzly Man or whatever? Do you know the story? It was oh. a guy who was like, I love bears and nature. Oh, he went up and hugged him. And he went up and he he lived with these bears for a long time. And then at the end of the movie, sadly, he gets ripped to shreds by a bear. Sometimes fear is good. Yes. It's not the unreasonable fear. It's not when you get so much fear in you that you don't think straight. And that's unfortunately where we are. We have so much fear in us now that we're not even thinking straight. The Democrats are so afraid of the Republicans that they just can't, you can't reason with them anymore. And the Republicans are so afraid of Hillary Clinton that you can't reason with them anymore. When, when, you, when you enter the land of unreason, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you, you, you're, you're doomed. You're doomed. And that's why I think 25% of this nation knows we're up crap creek. That official, that's the official location. Yes, uh, we are up Crap Creek. Up yeah. Crap Creek. Yeah. It's a road. It's not an actual creek. Okay. Oh, okay. We're, but we're just, you turn left and we're just up Crap Creek. <laughs> crap, Crap Creek. <laughs> <laughs> now this, an MIT uh, grad created a wireless security system for his friends who were lived in apartment, living in apartments and couldn't get a wired system. They didn't own they, the owner wouldn't, didn't want to drill holes in the walls and put a security system in that he would be responsible for. And they were all, you know, MIT students living in this neighborhood. So he knew that the big box stores were ripping people off and making it impossible for them to have that. You, you, they give you a free system, but they lock you into a contract and charge you 40 to $60 a month for the monitoring. And suddenly that, that free thing is no longer free. It's a scam. 
Simply Safe has, uh, has changed all that. They'll save you money. They'll sell you a system based solely on your needs. Monitoring is $14.99 a month, no contract, and you own the system so you can take it with you. Right now, Sim- Simply Safe is the home security in my own daughter's house. Simply Safe Home Security, having like a guard stationed at your door 24 hours a day. For the protection we trust, get a 10% discount by going to simplysafebeck.com. That's simplysafebeck.com. Get the 10% discount, simplysafebeck.com. Glenn Beck. Mercury. Eight seven two seven back. This is the Glenn Beck program. Pat, was that uh, Mike Pence that I was just hearing give that speech? Yeah, uh, Glenn, it was. It was uh, it's a speech on immigration he gave back in two thousand five that a lot of people are posting now. In fact, C-SPAN posted it with the headline: um, "America has always is has always and will always be a welcoming nation." Um, trying to, I think, trying to say that. Well, look at Pence and, and Trump disagree. Although the speech, I think, is pretty consistent. Yeah, I didn't hear anything. Yeah, it was more of a, like, let's enforce our borders. I mean, that's not the issue on he things like... in it, it, a nation without borders is not a, is not not a, a nation. nation. Right, and that's a very Trump-esque thing to yes. say. Um, the Washington Post, however, pointed out that Pence really... I mean, the free trade thing is, is a huge disagreement. And I've said this before, like, I think this is the one issue Trump really cares about. It's like his, probably his biggest passion point uh, is, is trade. Um, Pence voted yes on free trade with Panama, yes on free trade with Korea, yes on free trade with Peru, uh, no on assisting workers who lose jobs to globalization, yes on Central America free trade agreement. Uh, he's praised NAFTA as well. Voted yes on uh, the U.S.-Australia free trade agreement. Voted yes on the U.S.-Singapore free trade agreement. Voted yes on the U.S. Uh, trade agreement with Chile. Now, these are all the agreements that Donald Trump has been going around the country saying we have terrible agreements, we lose all the time on these trade agreements. These are all things that Mike Pence supported, including the TPP, which is the most recent one, um, and, you know, been one of the biggest villains in the Trump campaign. However, if you don't care about what Donald Trump says in 2016, right. what do you care what Mike Pence said in 2006? Who cares, right? I mean, I, I, why is that? Traditionally, this would be, I think, a big issue. But in this campaign, I don't think it is. I mean, I, I don't think any Trump supporter who has been making arguments about how right Donald Trump is on trade cares that Mike Pence has been picked. And Coulter does. Well, yeah, and Coulter does. That's right. And there's one. I mean, she's decided to care about this guy's record now where she hasn't cared about Donald Trump's record at all. Yeah. Um, you know, but I mean, he's the nominee. Um, so Trump will wash that. Trump will say that, you know, those times have changed and Mike Pence is on board. He will also, she will also be, she, she will also be uh, the Megyn Kelly of the new Trump network after he loses. Yes. And he buys a television network and, <laughs> and does, decides to take Fox on himself. He'll be the, good luck. You know, he'll be there with Ann Coulter and, and whoever else has supported him, mark my words. <laughs> You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.
the Glenn Beck Program. Kurt Schuster commented on a story in the Wall Street Journal I read just a couple of minutes ago, just posted it. I think this is great. What's going to happen next because of the, uh, the uh, killings in France? One, a lame hashtag will be set up by people who think taking action begins and ends in a retweet. Two, there'll be some sort of solidarity march to make people feel good about not actually doing anything. Three, world leaders will condemn the attack while simultaneously making sure they never mention Islam or its main supporters. Four, mainstream liberal media will offer up a sober tone and recant tales of the lost lives of the innocent dead, but will simultaneously run editorial articles that say, although they are horrified by their attacks, their concerns now lie with the possible uh, reprisals on Muslims. Five, reprisals will amount to someone throwing a bag of pork chops into a mosque or a Muslim being called a terrorist on YouTube or on the comment section someplace. Six, the media will begin running stories about how Muslims feel unsafe because of our intolerance. We are tactically reminded to feel bad about ourselves. And seven, we await the next inevitable attack. That's exactly what we're doing over and over and over again. We're even doing it with Black Lives Matter. We're doing it, we're doing the same thing. The president didn't even mention Black Lives Matter. And now we have all these NBA stars who are coming out and all these Hollywood celebrities and they're standing with, you know, all of the victims. Steven Crowder, I don't know if you saw what uh, LatteryCrowder.com did this week, but he took apart all of the, he said, well, Steven, are you on the phone? I I am on the phone. Thanks for having me, sir. I don't know if you have this at your fingertips, but I'd like you to share just a little bit of what you shared on your uh, video because I think this should go viral everywhere. It is... The facts in each of the case, each of the cases. Start with uh, Alton Sterling. Okay, well, I have very little at my fingertips. I'm, I'm uh, useless without a teleprompter. But Alton Sterling, you caught me on a good day, Glenn. Alton Sterling is a great example. And here's the deal, Glenn. Um, I caught a lot of flack with the terrorist attack yesterday because when it first came out, I said, oh, I said, I'm waiting for the fact on this, but my God, if this is terrorism. And people going, well, what are you, liberal? Of course it's terrorism. We have to be intellectually consistent. And unlike Black Lives Matter, who every time a black person is shot, they base it on racism, then they have egg on their face because they don't wait for the facts. So Alton Sterling is a great example. Let me preface this by saying that I am not approving uh, or condemning or absolving any of these. There's 15 different uh, cases that Black Lives Matter holds out, and I use in this video. Alton Sterling, they say he was shot for selling CDs. That's the meme that tens of millions of people have seen. Shot for selling CDs. No, he wasn't shot for selling CDs. He was shot because he was threatening a homeless man with a gun who called in a report. When police showed up, he still had an illegal firearm on him because he was a multiple-time felon, including a serial child molester, and uh, refused to comply with the police officers. So this is a felon with a loaded firearm who's resisting arrest, who'd been tased multiple times, who ended up being shot. Is it the ideal scenario? No. But if you tell people he was killed for selling pirated Wu-Tang CDs, well, then you justify brutality, ironically, against police officers who really didn't do anything wrong. Give me some of the other ones that you remember. Yeah, I have a couple. Of course, we have a, uh, gosh, I want to say Jamal. Uh, you know, I don't want to mix up the names and you be held in the hook. Is it there's, Jamar Clark? the Walter Yes, there's Jamar Clark. Uh, this is the one they say, oh, he was he was shot for being at a bachelor party, uh, birthday party. No, the reason he was shot was because he was stopping paramedics uh, from helping an assault victim. Uh, they were asked, to, to, he was asked to put his hands up. He did not put his hands up. He wasn't handcuffed. He refused to comply. Oh, and a little side note, 
The assault victim was his girlfriend. He was the guy who assaulted her. So these are things that, so he assaults someone. Cops show up to help her, paramedics show up to help her, and he interferes and prevents them from helping an assault victim. Um, you know, you have a good example, like one that would seem really bad, and I even said this, listen, as as people who advocate for responsible firearm uh, ownership, you know, uh, Castile, the guy who was shot being pulled over, they said, well, put, he was killed for a broken taillight. Well, no, he wasn't killed for a broken oh. taillight. By the way, as facts emerge, it doesn't look like he had a broken taillight at all. It looks like he fits right. the description for an armed robbery suspect. We do know for a fact that him and his girlfriend were hotboxing, smoking weed in the car with their child in the car the day of the arrest. They put that up. Mm. I don't know why these people live stream these things on Facebook. It's, <laughs> it's, it's like the wet bandits on Home Alone. Like, we can find you. You live streamed yourself committing <laughs> committing a felony or a crime. I don't know what it is with a child in the car. So no, he wasn't killed for a broken taillight. He was pulled over because he was an armed robbery suspect, matched the description, probably didn't do it, but an officer is uneasy, pulled him over. He said he had a firearm, and then there was some confusion reaching for a license or a gun. Here's the deal. Justice will be served. And if that officer acted outside of the law, I'm the first person to want him fired. And in many of these cases, most of these cases, the officers are at least fired. If not worse, many officers are charged with murder. So the point is, when you go through these 15 cases, and that's what I did at LottawaCrider.com, case by case, piece by piece, here are the facts. It clearly dispels the narrative that officers are going out, that's open season on black kids just because. But here's the deal, Glenn. If you get all black, all black Americans, people in the black community, if you get them to believe that officers are killing black people and that all of us are covering it up because it's a racist country, well, guess what? You vilify police officers, you dehumanize police officers, and you know what? Of course many of them would see it as justifiable to kill these officers. If you knew that there were officers right now, for a fact, out there killing Christian men, just they ran up a search, go, oh, you're a Christian, and put a gun to your head and pulled the trigger, and we knew that was a fact, there should be a revolt against police officers. And that's what many people believe is happening with the black community. It's not true, and here's the deal. We're getting to a point where you can't pull it back. When you lie... Bad things happen. When you lie about Black Lives Matter, bad things happen. Police officers get shot. When you lie about this idea that open borders work and that terrorism has no name, France happens. When the media lies, people start dying. Political correctness literally, and I'm not misusing figuratively, political correctness literally now has blood all over its hands. And, and it's a real problem. And you see this too. I mean, with the NBA uh, presentation at the ESPYS, Stephen, where they, you know, you know, LeBron and Chris Paul go up there, and they, and they, Carmelo Anthony, and they say they come through and they just list off names in this this powerful sequence where they're just listing off these names, and you're supposed to know exactly what that means. And when you can't get through whatever they listed six or seven names without listing, I don't know, five or six. Uh, cases in which they're completely wrong on, they can't even, even their billboard marquee cases aren't actually examples of what they're talking about, indicating perhaps it's not as widespread a problem as they're uh, trying to make it out to be. No, you're absolutely right. I will differ. You know, I thought LeBron actually, of all of them, handled that the best, where he said, hey, you need to look in the mirror and we all need to make better decisions. And I'm pretty sure he's worked with police in Ohio and has been a pretty good servant to his community. So we wrote about that. He didn't just go up and list a bunch of names and do I black lives matter. I think it was Chris Paul. Matter. Yeah, but, Chris um, Paul was the one with the names, I think, in, in, the, in the presentation. 
Well, what maybe I don't know. My my producer loves LeBron, so I have to be careful because he he might shoot me. But uh, <laughs> I, I was I was impressed with LeBron. I thought he did a better job than most. I think there's some peer pressure. But you're right. You're right. You just toss out a name and people go, oh, well, oh, well, of course he was shot because he was black because police are racist. And so you see a staggering rise in assaults against police officers. You see Chicago, where you know what Chicago police? No, no, I'm not going in there. But it's your but it's your job. I called for you. Sorry. I'm not not going in there. I'm not policing this neighborhood. And so record crime rates in Chicago, in Baltimore, Detroit, not so much because there's no one left to assault. Everybody's left Mm. the city. But, you know, the point remains, you're exactly right. People hear names, and most people who are not listening to this program, most people are not disengaged. So they hear the names and they assume, oh, another victim of police brutality because they were black. When if anybody just did a basic modicum of research on the case they'd go oh, of course that's not true well i mean one of the names they listed was trayvon martin who was not killed by a a, a, a police officer uh, it was justified and For it a wasn't a white person, person. Uh, so i mean i mean and that's one of their again marquee cases here it's, it's it just shows that this is obviously not i mean if it was this nazi level gestapo state going after black people a, a good piece of uh, advice would be not to march in front of them every single time to protest it because that would not be so. I don't think the Nazis handled protests. So let me, let me uh, switch gears. Let me go to the DNC. Um, what do you think is going to happen to the DNC next week? We're in the day of rage today, which the uh, left is calling for. Um, and then we go right into DNC and then into Philadelphia, RNC and then in Philadelphia. What do you think is going to happen in Cleveland? Well, I, I, the day of rage, it seems like every breakfast with Bernie Sanders. I don't really feel the need to give it a title at that point. Just, I want Trump loops! I mean, the guy's always <laughs> angry. Um, I, I find it beautiful to watch that uh, the man who championed, you know, against the corrupt system, Bernie Sanders, just came out and endorsed the corrupt system. I mean, he couldn't have endorsed the corrupt system more succinctly than endorsing Hillary Clinton. And so I don't think people realize how many Bernie supporters will not go over to Hillary? Uh, we've followed Bernie Sanders a lot. You know, on my show, we're, we're younger and our audience tends to be, you know, below the age of 30. And so Bernie was a hot topic. I feel like a lot of conservatives ignored him, even though he didn't have a chance at winning. He was the movement candidate. I don't think people understand how severe the ramifications will be because of the split. And even if Bernie at this point says, no, 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 you need to be with her, vote for Hillary Clinton, They're you're going still to. going to get at least a third who say, no, man, you were, you were my socialist. I, I can't go over to her. And, um, and I think that's just going to – it's like WrestleMania. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for it. Think violence going to break out? Well, I, that was a poor analogy now with WrestleMania. I meant it just as far as, you know, uneducated people enjoying a spectacle. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if violence is going to break out, Glenn. I certainly hope not. I hope that no violence breaks out of any of these protests. But if we look at the track record – there's a much higher likelihood that violence breaks out at the DNC than the RNC. Compare the Tea Party, where people afterward were picking up their trash from areas where they had permits to be with pokey sticks, and the media says, oh my gosh, they're about to assault black people with pokey sticks, and you compare that to Occupy Wall Street or whatever it is, Black Lives Matter, where inevitably someplace gets looted and people get shot. So the likelihood of the DNC, if I'm a betting man, uh, I, I would say much more than the RNC. But sincerely, I, I, I hope not. I really hope that's not the case. Uh, Stephen Crowder from LouderWithCrowder.com. LouderWithCrowder.com. And you can hear that uh, where he takes down and debunks 
Everybody that you have heard that was shot by cops, he tells you the real story behind it. You can find it at louderthecrowder.com. Thanks, uh, Stephen. Appreciate it. By the way, uh, the list of things you cannot bring into uh, the convention center or into the free speech zone uh, will give this amazing list coming up in just a second. And, and now this. I've been warning you today about uh, how fragile the economy is, and I, I told you about traditional banks. This is not a conspiracy theory. This isn't about them taking cash away because, um, you know, they want to control you. This is a story from business insiders that say that traditional banks and ATMs and things like that, they're all going away. They'll be a thing of the past very soon. You're not going to have a local branch to go to. You'll do everything online. ATMs are going away because people aren't using them like they used to. Um, they're, They're a thing of the past. Now you pay with a card, debit card, credit card, whatever. And that's how everybody is paying. So you're paying in digits. So why have all this crazy money? Um, Trouble is coming big time. Deutsche Bank has a capital level of less than 3% and a risky asset base with derivatives of more than $70 trillion. That's roughly the size of the entire globe's GDP. So what are they going to do? Italy and Portugal, they're already on the skids. Uh, They're talking about hundreds of billions of dollars or euros in bailouts for those two countries. Um, But they're not alone. All countries are in trouble. So when things fly apart, what do you have? May I suggest you have 10% of whatever you own in gold. 1-866-GOLDLINE. 1-866-GOLDLINE. Or goldline.com. Read their important risk information and find out if Goldline is right for you. 1-866-GOLDLINE. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Thanks for listening. So, uh, as you know, Glenn, I put in little reminders in my calendar for things that you say. Uh, oh, boy. So that we can look yeah. back at what All right. we were. Yes. Uh, and I, this I swear up. to you, I thought we would have a flying car by now. <laughs> yeah, I know. It didn't happen. Uh, this one came up recently, though, and it uh, fits pretty well today. Listen to this. This is from uh, the beginning of last year, 2015. Listen. I will tell you that I have wanted to take my kids to uh, France. And to Europe, we've talked about going this summer because I think the world is so dramatically going to change. This will be the last time they can see France, uh, you know, in the next few years. If you don't go in, if you don't go soon, uh, the next time you'll be able to go to Europe will probably be 10 or 15 years down the road. And it will be a wildly different place. So uh, you just have to pray on that one and, and decide yourself. But I would go. Mm. I was saying I would go last summer. Last yeah. summer, because that was the because last summer you'd be able to go. And we were all talking then, about wanting to go to Europe and thinking yeah. that it was yeah, we talked we needed it. to do it. Pat's yeah. wanted to go to France for a long, long time. Since yeah. that, it's been. We almost, were going to go last year. I wish we had. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, now I, you know, would you go? I don't think so. Uh, no. I mean, I, this is. I, I mean, don't think so. Not only is it terrorist attack after terrorist attack after terrorist attack, but they're all hitting these major uh, tourist population centers. Um, concerts and celebrations, yeah. and you know, of course, uh, that's what that's you you do that's what you that do, right. 
You do that so you stop. You can close down economies by shutting down malls and shutting down events and concerts. And if you, you know, you you hit a couple of football games or whatever, people are starting to say, you know what? I'm just going to watch it on TV. Yeah. Well, right. obviously we don't know, but that's what they were saying. Why this was kind of a soft target because of the uh, uh, Euro soccer games are going on. They're saying those are protected. Great. Uh, the big uh, bicycle race is going on. Those are all protected great. And this area was not the turret of, I mean, yeah. it's places they're going to hit. Again, you know, if you're looking at the, the details of this, are so terrible. I mean, the, the, the report this morning was that this guy drove this truck for a mile through right. the people, zigzagging back and forth across the road to get the maximum amount of people. We now think 84 people is the latest number that are dead. But there are 25 on life support. Not in critical condition, but on life support. Wow. Another 52 in critical condition and 202 overall wounded. Um, I, I mean, it is. It's the video of it was just horrific. Couldn't even watch it. I mean, a mile of bodies. Yeah. <sighs> Evil has been unleashed. May God forgive us and save the Republic. See you Monday. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.